The security clearance process is complicated. Maybe you find yourself applying for a position with the national security community and then finding yourself with questions you don't know how to answer. Maybe you've held an active security clearance for decades and now find yourself wondering if you need to report that DUI or if your bankruptcy will be flagged under the new continuous vetting program. Security clearance policies are changing and it can be hard to keep up. Whether you're a security clearance applicant, defense industry hiring manager, or government agency, it's okay to have questions. We have the answers. Welcome to Security Clearance Insecurity on Federal News Radio. Brought to you by your host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com and Sean Bigley. Hi, this is Lindy Kaiser with clearancejobs.com and welcome to this episode of Security Clearance Insecurity on Federal News Radio. One of my favorite things about working in the national security space is happening upon new, innovative, cool things that are being done across the GovCon space. I think that's a theme we've had on a few episodes recently, kind of like, is there life outside of just the day-to-day focus of what we're doing? So on that note, I was really excited to have Shane Prosser on the show today. He is the co-founder and CEO of Falcon Tech and also the founder of a really cool newsletter that maybe you've come across called GovBrew. So I just wanted to have him on the show to kind of discuss a little bit about, you know, his role, what he does in national security, working in the national security space, his support of obviously the security clearance community comes in a few different forms. And one of those is quite frankly, just to inform and entertain us through GovBrew. So kind of walk us through, Shane, what is the origin story of GovBrew? What was kind of the need that you saw for this and what do you hope to accomplish with it? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, Lindy. Excited to be on. So yeah, so GovBrew, you know, I have to go back a little bit to talk about the origin story. I was in the army for a period of time. After I got out of the army, I came to the DC area and was hoping to go get on contract, potentially go back to Afghanistan. But what really happened is I got a job doing corporate development at what used to be CSC, and I was grossly underqualified for the job, and I had no business having that job. So I had a lot to learn in a very little bit of time. Uh, The good thing is I had an amazing boss who kind of showed me the ropes, and very early on, he gave me access to a lot of different websites and things to go read. So early on in my GovCon career, I started reading every morning for hours, just ensuring that I knew what was going on in the space. I could sound educated and, you know, and actually um, know what I'm talking about when I was talking to the executives that we were working with. From there, we started Falcon Tech about seven years ago. And naturally, I continue to just read what's going on in the space because we're a small business. You know, we have a lot of conversations and just trying to add value to the teams that we're on and understand what's going on in the market space. As we started bringing on junior folks, I began to have them read what's going on every morning. So there's a recurring theme of every morning, I was reading news for years and years, and then my team started reading news. And then so myself and then my uh, older brother, who's a partner with me in both of these businesses, said like, hey, let's try to put a newsletter together that curates some of the news. Because part of the problem is, there's a hundred news sources. I can't tell what's real and what's paid for marketing. So I started to put together a newsletter and send it out to some friends in the industry. Just get feedback like, hey, would you read this every day? And they really liked it, started to share it. And then we began our journey probably two years ago now on GovBrew and just having it be a curated newsletter of real content, 
all the marketing fluff is gone and all the pay for play stories are gone. And we always wanted to have it delivered in a human manner. Occasionally it can get a little bit stuffy on the corporate side, especially in the government contracting space. Me personally, I like to have fun. I like to talk to people I do business with, just like a regular conversation that I would have with any other friend that I have. So it's important for us that we educate and entertain. That's kind of high level, uh, quick on how we started GovBrew and, and what it is today. No, I love that. And you kind of mentioned that, though, you know, the importance of information. I feel like that is so critical to this industry. And I think sometimes people might not appreciate or understand how much government contracting, the breadth of sources and information that's out there. I'm pulling all of those in. And there's a ton around like the data analytics information and how we use that to kind of strengthen companies. But why is just following the news important? Kind of why did you set up that pattern of just tracking the news and and checking it out every morning? I mean, I think the public sector is a unique space because there's so much publicly available information. There's so much data that it's almost overwhelming. So one, you can start to drown in the data if you're not looking at the right resources or trying to find the right information. And you can waste a lot of time. And I've done that, waste a lot of time going down a rabbit hole on something just to find out that it was an old news story. It was at, or it was actually a paid marketing campaign that a company put in place to really push a product or something like that, right? I think it's important to have access to the right information and to do it in a real-time manner it's different depending on where your space is in the in the industry, right? Like if I'm a job seeker, I think it's very important to kind of keep track of what's going on with companies. Was there a merger and acquisition? Was there a huge new contract that was one that is in the capability set that I have, right? Because if so, I might reach out to a recruiter at that company. As a business owner, executive, or growth leader at a GovCon company, obviously you have to know what's going on. You're having conversations daily, you're trying to develop your strategy for the years moving forward and all those little pieces of information on a contract when a competitor that got acquired by a large company, so on and so forth, are play a really large role in how you might set your strategy up moving forward and might what you might be doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I think diversifying where we're getting the news is really important and we see a lot of that today, but not not diversifying through your social media feed, which is another problem entirely, but getting, you know, drawing in different sources. And this is big for me at clearance jobs. I mean, I've had this conversation about what kind of news we're producing, right? Like we have a big focus on the security clearance process, but our bread and butter is not as a news outlet, but we are trading on kind of a, a trade information. So kind of in that way, like how do you decide what makes the cut to include and what doesn't? What's really like kind of news that you can use that you really want to pull in and include and and offer up to folks? And how do you kind of curate and find all those different sources out there? Because there are so many. I mean, I think that is what's hard. There's so many places to get news today. I may be biased. I personally think GovBrew is the best place to get diversified news from multiple sources because that's why we created it. Because I was spending my time going to 20 different websites that I really thought were great places, plus, uh, you know, all this other government stuff. And when we started it, it's like, hey, let's go to all these places where the interesting and relevant news is and pull it in so somebody can quickly scroll through and understand what's important to them. And and if they want to go look at the full story, they can they can go there. But how do we determine what to include in GovBrew? And honestly, for us, it's very easy because we are the readers of GovBrew. We, we created it for ourselves. 
So we own a government services company and we, you know, kind of understand what individuals in our place are looking for. Really, it comes down to we're looking for not kind of marketing pay for play articles. We're looking for articles that are not just kind of over reported on that everybody's putting a new headline on just to, to get some more clicks. We're looking for interesting takes on certain subjects. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be uh, coming from a media outlet. It could also come from somebody on LinkedIn that has a very long post that's very well thought out on you know, the security clearance process or the new Oasis contract vehicle. So we really scour the web and various GovCon sources to go out and pull in interesting topics, topics that lead towards potential stories you might not have otherwise seen. Because I think Obviously, there's a bunch of different ways you can use this information. You can use it to pursue more contracts. You could use it to go get a job. But also, it's good just to have interesting takes when you're out there talking to your customers, whether it's a prime contractor or a government agency. If you're selling to the U.S. Air Force and you have a very interesting take on this small little story that just happened with them, it can just make the conversation easier. Hope I answered that, but that's kind of how we go through what we include. I feel like you're not willing to share your trade secrets because you're not giving us direct sources. You're basically saying, go to GovBrew because we're going to go to all of these hundred sources first and, right. and okay. find them. But we'll take it. I'll take that. I'll take it. It's nearing towards the end of the fiscal year. So you, as someone who works in the GovCon space, I always kind of like to ask. So survival tips for as you enter the end of the fiscal year, this can be kind of a stressful time. I feel like we always have maybe an August lull where folks, you know, you get a vacation in and then you barrel through and kind of die all the way through September. So as someone who's kind of worked in this space and been in that bid proposal life, do you have any survival tips for making it through the end of the fiscal year? Yeah, for sure. I'd say one, you want to load up on the coffee and you want to buckle up because obviously there's a lot of things that get thrown at you. Again, depending on the role that you're in, but with us, if I look at it from the Falcon Tech angle, which is our, our government services company, you know, there's a lot of, Deals that have already been submitted that we're waiting on awards. So we're hoping that we're, we're going to get award and our project teams are going to be really kicking off new efforts. But additionally, there's a lot of last minute efforts that are coming through and we're already seeing those now. So it's really just kind of be ready for whatever, go in it with an open mind. From GovBrew, though, this is really our most exciting time of year because there's so much happening. Uh, it, it's, it's tough to even capture it all on a weekly basis. So, you know, you're seeing a lot of M&A happen. You're seeing a lot of contract awards, new hires. You're seeing new government programs come up, changes in regulations. We're excited on both sides uh, or with both of our businesses right now. And also, I always like love the contract awards. I used to work at the Pentagon and I was like at the Department of the Army in the Public Affairs Office and I remember seeing them, you know, you get the consolidation of all the awards and you have to announce them. And now it's funny on clearance jobs, I get the other side of it where I'm waiting for the government to announce them. And I'm seeing like, oh, the like the September contract awards, and then you get to October and it's back to like two or three. But September, you're like, it's sometimes like the contract award announcement that doesn't end. You're always like, why do they do it like this? But that's just how the money gets doled out. So, well, so obviously clearance jobs, it's a career site. So we have to talk about careers, you know, your story of having, you know, come out the, of the military, that's a common one for folks who end up supporting the GovCon space. But obviously if you're, if you're curating a new source like GovBrew, if you're founding a company, you kind of have a commitment to national security in a, in a pretty significant way, but in, in a 
kind of an era where we talk a lot about the competition with the commercial sector. Why do you choose GovCon? Why do you choose to support the federal government despite, you know, some of the complaints that we might read about in GovBrew and the funny things about working in this space? Why is it a place that you've kind of chosen to establish your career in? You're right. I mean, initially it comes back to, I was a veteran. I had a clearance. My buddy who was from DC was like, hey, if you have a clearance, you should move somewhere close to DC and you can get a job. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I, we moved to Virginia for a period of time um, and I got a job. So naturally it was an easy transition. And as a veteran, it's honestly a fresh place to land. And because you have a ton of veterans, you're still supporting a mission. Maybe it's not the same mission you were in the army, uh, but you're supporting a government mission. So you still have folks, even if they didn't come out of the military, that are mission uh, driven and mission focused on, you know, making America a better place or, you know, supporting defense and national security, whatever that is. So that's really where I transitioned over, which gave me my start. And from that point, I realized that I really liked the people in the industry. I really liked the ability, like from the GovBrew standpoint, I'm really interested in all the various missions that are going on, all the things that are happening, the different projects that agencies are rolling out. So it's very interesting for me as a person. And really, that's ultimately what led me to be as passionate about it as I am. Awesome. I love that. And I love that clearance story because I feel I still feel like that's true. I mean, it ebbs and flows. But right now, security clearance processing times are not as bad as they used to be. But already having that as a credential and I think sometimes treating it as a credential, it can definitely help get your foot in the door. So security clearance stories, obviously we love those at clearance jobs. So outside of like it being kind of an avenue to help you get a job, do you have any kind of security clearance stories to share? So I have a very funny one. I joined the I joined the army as a mechanic, right? And I was in basic training. I didn't know that I was going to get a clearance. You don't know what what unit you're going to or if you need a clearance or anything like that. It was, I don't know, a few weeks into basic training and my drill sergeant's like, Prosser, you need to go down to the first sergeant's office, which is not a good thing when you're in basic training. I was like, Roger Sergeant, like, is there any anything you could tell me? Like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know, but whatever it is, just make sure you tell him the truth. I was scared going down there. I ran down there and the first sergeant was in there and he was like, hey, this lady's here to talk to you. I don't know why she's here, but whatever you did, you need to tell her the truth and you better not lie. And so then the, uh, the lady comes in. She's actually an investigator. Because the unit I was going to was a, was a signal unit and I needed to get a clearance. She was nice. She laughed and told me, hey, they're just messing with you. We're just going to go through your security clearance process. <laughs> yeah, I was so scared leading up to that moment. That's a common thread that we talk about. And I think people joke about it. But I started out the Department of the Army as an intern. So a GS civilian, but equally ignorant of the entire process. So actually did not know that I was getting a security clearance. And people now like now that I work in this space, people like people don't realize if you're onboarding, whether it's the military or the federal government, there is so much paperwork you have to fill out. And they don't tell you like nobody told me we're putting you in for a security clear i don't if they did i was just so dumb and like 20 something that i didn't hear it but i don't ever remember them saying it i remember them saying like hey this is the paperwork you need to fill out to get the job and i wanted to be a public affairs officer and that's what i was doing but literally i don't ever remember hearing the term security clearance as a GS civilian up until the point I started working at the Pentagon and they realized I had a public trust and not a security clearance because somebody had jacked up my paperwork. So I'm like, this is like 
So I always love those stories of like, yeah, you don't, you're joining the military. You're not joining security clearance. That just happens to be a credential. And I feel like I hear from a ton of people who are like, do not realize what they're going through in the process. And we don't have a great system for explaining it. And unfortunately, based on current news headlines, I don't know if we're doing a better job in sometimes explaining what people are getting, but hopefully there's some improvements there. Well, that's the pretty much the end of my main questions here, but I love chatting with you. I love, you know, learning about GovBrew. I think finding innovative news sources, getting that M&A, you know, and contract information, it is like hunting for nuts to put secret squirrel terminology around it. So the fact that you, you can kind of gather those and give those in a consolidated news source, it also is a little fun to read and bring some humor into it. Definitely speaks to my heart. Are there any questions I didn't ask or anything you wanted to highlight? Uh, no, I mean, I think this is great. It's been a great conversation. I would just say, if you're not reading GovBrew, I believe you should. It's five minutes. We scour the web to find information from multiple sources on the federal government uh, contracting marketplace. So it's just govbrew.co. That's govbrew.co. Uh, hopefully some of the listeners will get something out of this. Um, if you have any questions, you could also reach out to me anytime at shane at govbrew.co as well. Again, I love that. Again, finding news is really important. Finding the right news is really important. And then just, I think, you know, passion about the work that you're doing and the job you're doing, I, I love. So I love, again, hearing a career story for somebody who came from the military, you know, gave back to the industry, founded a company. I mean, that's a great narrative and one that we see, you know, happening in the GovCon space. So it gives near and dear to my heart as we continue to kind of move national security forward. We got to have the right people in right places and then innovative ideas and and fun things happening. We can have fun in national security. Our job is serious, but we don't always have to be. So thank you so much, Shane, for joining the show. Check out GovBrew. Welcome to The Conversation. I am Sean Bigley, and I'm here with Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com. We're talking this segment about bad news for poppy seed muffin and bagel lovers. And Lindy, I don't know about you. I'm not a big poppy seed guy. I mean, if I'm going to have a bagel, I want some onions on it. I don't know. What What's your thought? Oh, I don't uh, Onions on your bagels? Ugh, no. Really? Oh, yeah. I do love a nice poppy seed muffin, poppy seed bagel, little like poppy seed zucchini bread. I should not be taking a drug test anytime soon because I do get a little nervous when DOD puts out these announcements. I always think they're fake, though. Is this seriously a problem? Like, I think we saw like they're seriously warning people. Is this just a sign that a lot more people are on drugs and they're trying to blame poppy seeds? We need to like, is there poppy seed marijuana, actually? And then... Whoops. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, I, I don't know if you ever used to watch the, the old TV show Cops, but like there were always some great episodes on that show where people would get pulled over and they'd get searched and the cop would go into their pockets and pull out a big bag of drugs and they'd say, oh, these are my cousin's pants. Like it's it's always, you know, it's, it's the same same thing. Like it's it's all it's the poppy seeds, right? Like you weren't actually using the drugs. It was, it was the poppy seed muffin. Like so I think this is in very much, you know, the urban dictionary speak, like this is kind of the slang or the, the almost like a joke. I don't think people take it seriously. But the irony is, unlike the cousin's pants, this is probably actually a real thing. And we know this in part because earlier this year, the Department of Defense issued a memorandum with the blaring subject line warning regarding poppy seed consumption and military drug testing. And when I saw this, I had the same kind of initial reaction, like, do we really need this, guys? Like, this is a little overkill. But the reality is, much like we have talked about in 
similar context with CBD and with people using CBD, even that they think is federally legal and then popping positive for marijuana on a drug test, you can in fact pop positive for illegal substances on a drug test by consuming enough poppy seeds. And so I want to read just a a little excerpt from this memo that DOD issued earlier this year, because I think this is very telling. It says, seeds may be contaminated during harvest with morphine and codeine, and the Department of Defense uses drug testing cutoffs to distinguish morphine and codeine use from poppy seed ingestion. Recent data suggests certain poppy seed varieties may have higher codeine contamination than previously reported. Consumption of poppy seed products could cause a codeine positive urinalysis result and undermine the department's ability to identify illicit drug use. So in plain English, what they're essentially saying is not that it's the poppy seeds for the sake of poppy seeds that they're concerned about, but rather much like the CBD issue that this the stuff i in this case the poppy seeds may actually be contaminated with something else that you don't know about i.e morphine or codeine which are both going to cause you to pop positive on a drug test what they don't say in this memo is kind of the elephant in the room which is that the poppy plant the poppy flower is harvested to produce a variety of drugs most notably heroin so What you don't want is certainly consuming enough of this stuff and popping positive for heroin, but even a little bit of it, they're saying theoretically, if they're contaminated, pop positive for morphine or codeine. So the takeaway that I had as a lawyer from reading this is like, don't touch this stuff with a 30 foot pole, because even if you have one poppy seed muffin, like you're probably not going to pop positive for heroin. Although I've even heard some crazy horror stories of that. But you may pop positive for morphine or codeine if you get unlucky enough and the seeds you ate were contaminated. This is kind of a big deal, I think. What's your thought? I have a whole jar of poppy seeds in my pantry, and I kind of want to just boss it right now and take a drug test and see what happens. Because the skeptic in me is obviously like, I want to see some numbers. Like, are they really having more service members pop hot on a drug test because of poppy seeds? Or like, what is the... Or have there been cases or like, why are you producing this memo military? Why is the DOD doing this? And then again, also the skeptic in me is like, I think we just must have more service members who are doing morphine and codeine and heroin and trying to blame poppy seeds. I don't know. Like, I just can't, I just can't believe that it's the poppy seeds fault. I mean, this is a broader drug issue. The drug issue just keeps coming up for security clearance holders, applicants, and DOD. And we know it's a problem. So again, I just think it's interesting that they're talking about poppy seeds, but I just, I would be curious to know what are the actual numbers of our more service members just testing positive for drugs in their system. And they're seeing poppy seeds. The one guy was able to demonstrate it was poppy seed related everybody else it was just the drugs yeah i mean i i would be curious too i i think anecdotally i can say this was a really common thing that i saw in my practice like i would get calls all the time from military service members who either had tested positive for drugs as the lawyer defending them you're not really supposed to ask did you in fact consume drugs because then it makes the defense a lot harder there's certain things you can't say or you know do ethically my my sneaking suspicion in a number of those cases was that they had consumed some drugs, but you know, we always innocent until proven guilty. But, you know, in fairness, I do think there are also some people who 
legitimately are, in this case, eating something that they are perfectly entitled to eat. And then for whatever reason, they get unlucky. And there is, you know, that weird case of contamination. So I, I don't know. I mean, the concern that I have as a lawyer or that I would have if I were in the shoes of a service member is it's impossible to determine which one it is. If you test positive, there are some scenarios where you can make a credible argument for one or the other. Like obviously if somebody pops positive and by the way, the word pop is in poppy seed. So, I mean, you know, further, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you got to kind of read read the the tea leaves literally and figuratively. But my concern, and, and we saw this over and over is like, unless you are somebody who's like going to the extreme. Like if you're, I'll use the example of CBD and marijuana because this is one that has come up tons. If you're somebody who's smoking pot, you know, constantly and you pop positive, like you're not going to have a credible argument that it was CBD because the level of THC in your bloodstream is going to be so high that nobody's going to buy that. The flip side is if you're using CBD and you either get a batch that is, you, you think is federally legal, but in fact it's mislabeled or you're using enough of it that the accumulation of it in the bloodstream causes you to pop positive. Generally, you're going to be right over the threshold for testing positive. So in that case, we can at least make a credible argument to say, hey, this guy was using CBD based on the threshold you know, that he barely crossed. If he was smoking weed, it probably would have been higher. But it's not a slam dunk. I mean, it's you're essentially arguing for one interpretation, but somebody could also come back and say, well, that's possible, but it's also possible that he smoked weed once a week ago and it's just dissipated from his system. Same thing here. You know, if you're, you know, injecting heroin, obviously you're going to be off the charts for a a drug test. But if you're, you know, eating poppy seed muffins and you happen to, you know, eat the wrong one or you eat too much or whatever, like there's going to be that lingering question. Like, did you use it a few weeks ago and it's dissipated? Did you happen to get unlucky? And so I think that's really where they're coming at this from is like, Don't put yourself in the position as a service member where you have to try to make a case that you were doing something legitimate when, you know, if you just avoid this stuff altogether, it's it's a non-issue. And because we now have this memorandum, until and unless it gets rescinded, the way that I read it, and I'm, to be fair, not an expert in the Uniform Code of Military Justice, but I have enough exposure to it that I would take away from this that this would be construed as a general order. And so now if you are a service member and you are eating anything with poppy seeds in it, regardless of whether or not you pop positive, technically that could be in and of itself construed as a UCMJ violation of a general order. So not something I would recommend messing with. You know, if folks are like you and they've got that jar of poppy seeds in the pantry and they just can't live without it, I would say you may have to, you know, put that on hold till you get out of the military and find your fix somewhere else legally, of course. But for other folks, I don't know. It seems like a gamble there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. If you want to take down the military basket of poppy seed muffins is basically what we're saying. So beware. We're going to start seeing military bases infiltrated with free yeah. muffins. It used to be, you know, you can give away some free baked goods on a military base. No, no more. They're saying yeah. no baked goods for you. Parachuting them behind the lines. I don't know. That may be, maybe the new, the new war tactic. <laughs> exactly. I'll blame China. They do it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Security Clearance Insecurity. Please note the information provided on this program is intended as general information only and should not be construed as legal advice. Consult a security clearance attorney regarding your specific situation.
have a question about security clearance process? Interested in submitting your own topic for security clearance insecurity? Have a question you'd like us to address on a future episode? Drop us an email, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for tuning in to Security Clearance Insecurity with your host, Lindy Kaiser of clearancejobs.com and Sean Bigley. Join us next time as we continue to answer all the questions about security clearance careers you have, but we're too afraid to ask your security manager.